experience, bitch. Hello, prepare to experience Beige, the podcast where two longtime friends discuss all sorts and si- all sorts of science fiction and fantasy stuff. And on the docket today, we have Boba Fett, or is it Mandalorian season three, episode one? I think it's actually Boba Fett uh, episode five. Um, and then we're uh, I'll talk a little bit about Vox Machina, and then we have the second episode of The Witcher. We talked about the first episode of season two last week, so we'll talk about episode two today. And let's get right into it with, uh, with is, it, is it Boba Fett? Is it Mandalorian? Has this always been the Mandalorian show and Boba Fett's just uh, living in it? It's Mandalorian's world. Um, you know, when we first started talking about Boba Fett, I, one of the things that kind of surprised me uh, was how much it felt like the Mandalorian, just in terms of like the tone, the visuals and things like that. I didn't think it would be literally become the Mandalorian show at, at a point in the in the season. But uh, what did you think, Hugo? Well, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I, def- I think I did say it last time, or, or at least I was thinking it, that one of the sh- surprising things about the Boba Fett show is that we never see Boba Fett be like this, like, you know, mean, villainous, like, you know, mm-hmm. a skilled bounty hunter. Like, in the movies, he's a villain. Yeah, and yet in this show we never see him do anything remotely, not even villainous, just but just remotely like sort of um, hard edge or you know like like unmerciful and and it, it's been very strange because I was thinking back to like how in the Mandalorian, even in the even in the second episode, like Mandalorian is like disintegrating Jawas. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being shocked by that because like that's kind of brutal for this show, you know it. it, it the tone was really weird. It played it off as lighthearted, but they're getting mm-hmm. shot and disintegrated by him. And yet, Boba Fett has never done anything even close to that. Even though he's specifically told by Vader no disintegrations in the movies, yeah, um, we don't <laughs> we don't see him do any sort of real violence that he initiates. And then this episode opens, and Mando just goes on a rampage. <laughs> I mean, he just starts butchering people and cutting them in half. And I was just like, what? 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 Why? <laughs> Why is this not how the Boba Fett show opened? You know, that should have been the first scene of Boba Fett. Was Boba Fett doing something like that so mm. we could buy that he's like gonna he, he that he's got what you know he's gonna be like this this crime lord that he's willing to like just tear through dudes and no instead we get Mando doing it again and I great episode. Let me just say great fantastic episode. One of my favorite episodes of The Mandalorian. Best episode of the season of Boba Fett, which um. <laughs> is awesome, but also speaks poorly of the rest of this show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was surprising to me. Boba Fett is literally not in this episode. Like, even the little tag at the end is Fennec, where it's like, hey, remember, we're part of the show. It's really the Boba Fett show. It's like, wasn't even Boba Fett doing that. Like, they didn't even throw him in at all. It's like, wow. Uh, yeah, I agree. It was a very entertaining episode. It just kind of makes you think, I guess maybe because the Mandalorian's a fully original character, you know, they seem to have a better grip on that character and what to do with him than they seem to with Boba Fett. You know, still a couple episodes left, so we'll see, you know, where everything is headed. But it, I, I was not expecting to get an episode that just felt like an episode of the Mandalorian, not to beat a, beat a dead horse, but... That's the that's obviously the big uh, story from this one. So I guess we'll just talk about it like it's an episode of The Mandalorian because that's essentially what it was because it doesn't have anything to do except at the very end uh, for Boba Fett. So, you know, we haven't been with this character in a little while. And, you know, he doesn't have Grogu with him anymore. He's back into a bounty hunting life. Um, I thought it was kind of, I don't know about surprising but I don't know. Maybe I th- expected the character to be doing something different, but I don't know what he would have would be doing. But I, I just thought it was surprising that, that, that this is what he's doing now. And not only that, when he when he reconnects with the other Mandalor- Mandalorians, the, the armorer, and I forget the other guy's name, uh, the, 
great 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 grandson of the guy who built the dark saber apparently um and he really seems to still or at least that's what we hear he still wants to be part of that life and he you know this is the way and it just felt like he was moving away from that in in the series and it was just a little i mean not i'm not saying this is a bad thing because i think it is kind of interesting to have that element to to the show where he's part of these this mandalorian sect and i think that's all interesting um but i was just a little surprised that he seemed to still be craving that when he kind of made other allies and you know had kind of a a child sort of you know not the child but you know his child almost is what i think grogu is supposed to feel like to the audience um so it kind of felt interesting that to kind of find him back at square one a little bit. So uh, maybe, I mean, I don't know that that's where he'll be at the start of the actual episode one, season three for his show, because it seems like he's going to be part of uh, Boba Fett, you know, going forward in the next episode or the final episode, if not both. Um, so then we'll see where he ends up and then, you know, what kind of setup they have for the next uh, season of The Mandalorian. But that was kind of what stuck out to me. It's like, oh, he's like, yeah. And then when she asks him, did you, have you taken off your helmet? And he has to answer yes. And you I almost expected him to be like, well, I guess, I guess that's it. And I'll just kind of go on with my life that I kind of found before myself but he's like what can I do to get back into your good graces and now he has like a quest accepted for season three like oh you have to go to the below the Mandalore or whatever whatever the quest was and so that's now in his journal so I'm sure he'll be going on that quest in season three when he when he goes to when he hits pause and goes to the yeah to the objective screen that's gonna be up there it's like oh I gotta do that one but what did what did yeah. you think? Like, were you expecting it, to see him like maybe in a doing something different or? Well, I, you know, it was it was it was a, it was strange. Like, I I wasn't sure where this episode was going up until he found his people. Um, I did I did like the the world building. Let me let me just yeah just to step back for a second. I I, I really liked the direction and the world building in this episode. Uh, that that um, that ring he was yeah, on, yeah, the ring world kind of thing. That yeah. was really cool. We haven't seen that in Star Wars, and it was just like the special effects were good, and and the way it was shot too, where you just followed him onto the elevator and then off the elevator, and then there was the 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 shots that were almost like a like a side scroller where you just mm-hmm. saw him, you know, in the fight scene and uh, and walking walking some of those planks. I, I thought. It was really well directed, and really the visuals were quite stunning in this episode. Um, so it it really stands out to me. I think even even among the other Mandalorian episodes, I think it really stands out for how well directed it, mm-hmm. it was. Like certainly, again, the best of the Boba Fett episodes. Yeah. But even even among the the Mando episodes, it, it's 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 up there as one of the best. I think that 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 I've seen. Um, I was I was you know I was when when I was watching the episode it. To answer your question about what I thought he'd be doing, it when Grogu left, you know Grogu has to come back into the show. Mm-hmm. But I guess for whatever reason, they didn't want to just do a time jump, like one year later or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it almost seems like this episode made it seem like the plan is there's... It's not the, It's not like... I, I guess I realize, my thinking is this is not the Boba Fett show. This mm-hmm. is season three of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, it seems like they're going to just jump point of view characters whenever the story needs it. Like the first two seasons are Mando, mm-hmm. but now Mando doesn't have Grogu. So the third season is Boba Fett's perspective to see what he's up to. Yeah. And then fourth season will be back to Mando. And then I, I, I'm, I'm guessing, and I think there's, there's someone was mentioning to me that, that there's even talk of a Bo-Katan getting her own series. Oh yeah. yeah so I, I wouldn't be that. surprised if like after the next season, Mando, then it's a, it's a Bo-Katan season and, and Mando comes back and that's where he does yeah. his quest or whatever. And, and it just, because now, if Bo Katan gets her show, you'll have The Mandalorian about a dude with Mandal- Mandalorian armor. You'll have Boba Fett about a dude with Mandalorian <laughs> armor. And you'll have Bo Katan about a woman with Mandalorian armor. Yes. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense for Disney to have all these Mandalorian shows. I think, I think it's one show. And yeah. I guess the reason you don't say that is because 
people would be mad if they tuned into Mando season three and there's no Grogu. Yeah. But <laughs> but this was a pretty essential show as well. Like if you do watch The Mandalorian, this was a pretty essential show to like see what he's up to and like what's motivating him now. So it's also kind of strange if you come back to the next season of Mandalorian and, and you just miss this because you didn't realize he was there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That but that does make sense. You know, it did like I said, it felt like kind of a Mandalorian show Boba Fett um more than I expected. I felt it I, I thought it they would try to make it stand on its own a little bit more in terms of just kind of the feel and tone of it. But now it makes sense, like kind of how you're saying it's it is all kind of the same show and they're just going to kind of weave in and out and it, there is probably truth to the well, this is a Grogu-free episode. Let's kind of put it in the Boba Fett show because people want their, their baby Yoda and we need to have him back before <laughs> season three actually starts. Because it sounded like, I got, you know, he, at the end he's like, I got to go visit a little friend or something, whatever he said. It's like, is he, he going to go get him and now he's going to be in like the finale of Boba Fett? Like, I, I mean, it was... Uh, it's weird. Like the show is really, they're definitely not giving up on Baby Yoda. They need that Baby Yoda merchandise money. They're like not letting that ship sail at all. So even <laughs> though the like in like story wise, him, like him being trained by the Jedi, like it seemed like that chapter was closed. But I, I they're gonna have to kind of like, they're I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see how they do that and still make it make sense in the story in the in the world like why would he be back together with him well it's clear it's not closed because when mando uh, got his new newly modded n1 naboo starfighter um you know you got chekhov's gun in in plays uh here you had chekhov's uh grogu size astromech <laughs> yes. port that has been remodded to <laughs> a little yes. baby yoda in the back seat yeah, so, yeah so i you kept staring see. at it and i was like is that for like his prisoners like because he's a bounty hunter like how's he gonna bring in bounties on the ship is he just going to toss them in this little narrow tube and like when he was flying around space it finally hit me i was like oh that's that's grogu seat yes well okay. just think of the the action figure because you could have oh the little goodness. grogu figure in the back seat there oh and it, it's because it's transparent like window <laughs> you know that's perfect like action figure right there you can see the character you want us to be able to see the characters when they're in the vehicle that's part of the fun of the action very figure. perfect for for toys Highly impractical for bounty hunting and <laughs> highly dangerous for transporting a toddler. <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, I, I'm sure anybody who watched this this episode had the same thought because um, I certainly did when I was watching. It's like, this is a terrible bounty hunter vehicle because you, can, you can't hold any bounties. Now, maybe the idea is he's only carrying heads now. Like, maybe that's his new... <laughs> tactic i only need a size for for a head because that's what that's what i do now but uh even his so, so uh, hold on let me jump in so so boba fett the show about a bounty hunter who wants to be a crime lord doesn't show him committing any like acts of violence <laughs> or being mean or cruel or vicious to anyone but the show about a man who like has a heart of gold and raises a toddler <laughs> as his own that's the one where we get like decapitations every episode <laughs> from now on Yes, yes, because you know his his other ship was surprisingly big. It had quite a bit of space, and you know he often used it for bounties and things. And he seemed to have like he was carrying weapons and other things back there. This is like a totally different ship. Granted, it's very fast, and it's like not on the grid or whatever. So I mean, it makes sense from those that perspective. But it's hard not to feel that the ship is just totally. Easter eggy and fan servicey. There was so much like fan service in the episode. I mean, even for this show or these series of shows where they're definitely lean into that, there was a lot in this one. Yeah. And then yeah. and, and that ship was definitely one. And then I I didn't know whether to like laugh or groan or roll my eyes when she asked how was it? And he said, Wizard. Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> that was the dumbest line of the episode, but it somehow worked. I laughed in a good way. It, it, it got, it, it, yeah. <laughs> Wizard. Uh, and then 
you have uh, there's a BD droid in here from Fallen Order. Like I don't know if it's that droid, but that it was that model of droid. It's like wow, they're throwing anything and they'll do any sort of fan service. That I kept looking at that droid and I was like, why does it look so familiar? I've seen that droid somewhere else. And then it did the holographic uh, projection. Oh, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. it was from the video game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, how to help me out? And then yeah, it does the thing that he would do in the video game where he tells you where where you need to do next or whatever. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. Mandalorian's already a video game, so you might as well put a a, a character from a video game in there. Um, yeah, but I, 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 you know, they had like, uh, like the pod race, like kind of stuff from the pod race, and like it was just, it was just over the top. But I, somehow it, it manages to make it work. Um, and you had the returning X-wing pilot coming back again like how small is this like x-wing uh force if like the every time he runs into a pilot it's the same guy that seems a little little suspicious but that's okay but then they have you know like nice touches too with the um the uh rodian child in the seed and like he remind you know, we're assuming reminds him of Grogu, and then it's kind of has a callback to it where he's in the his new ship and he sees the little kid in the spaceship. So they definitely have moments of of heart that I think resonate with people in the Mandalorian. I think that's part of why this works. So even without Grogu in the episode, they've managed to find those moments. They have a a, a step in small green child. Uh, to be in place of Grogu so they can have moments like that. But yeah, it was the um, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard directed this one. So I think she had directed some of the Mandalorian too. So. She had, yeah. Yeah, so no, she this was this was this was this was great. I hope I hope they I hope they give her her own series. I would watch I mean I'd watch the whole show if it was just directed in this way. Like she did a great job. Yeah, I think my uh nitpicks kinda go with the um the Mandalorian like underground and armor sections where you, there's only three of them. Should you really be having a duel right now? Like this seems like a really bad idea because you're fighting with a lightsaber. This is obviously neither of them died, but very easily one of them could have died. And then no, and then thankfully nobody dies. Okay, good. There's still three of you. Oh, you took off your helmet. Get out of here. Now there's yeah. only two of you. You need all the Mandalorians you can get. <laughs> Cut him some slack, man. He was like raising a toddler or whatever the equivalent Grogu is. And can we cut him a little slack he had he had a lot on his plate and he took had to take take his helmet off, all right? It, it was all, it was also a weird scene and and maybe I, I wasn't sure how deliberate this was. Like was, was it kind of pointing to the hypocrisy that fundamentalists often have of their own beliefs or was it like or was it playing it as, off as jealousy by the by the um, armor and 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 Vizsla, where like he comes back and he's like, I got the dark saber, and they're like, Oh, if you win the dark saber in combat, like you're like the leader of everyone. He's like, Yeah, I won it in combat. <laughs> and and instead of being like, Well, dude, you're our leader. You know, we're like fundamentalist people. We won't even take our mask off. We take everything literally. Instead, they're like, oh, that's cool. Did you kill him? And he's like, no, I sent him to jail. And they're like, you should have killed him. And it's like, okay, why are we talking about this? He's your leader. And then Vizsla's like, I challenge you to a duel. It's like, dude, if anyone could just challenge anyone for a duel for this lightsaber, then it's kind of pointless. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just, I, yeah, I wasn't sure. And then they expel him over the face mask thing. It's like, he's your leader now, isn't he? By your own rules, he is your leader. I don't understand what's happening. Like, are are they jealous of him? Are they just kind of being hypocritical? Like it was, it was, and it didn't bother me too much because I mean the show hasn't laid down too much of their rules. I just thought like the way it was played, there was something seemed off, and I think it was deliberate. I'm just not sure what the read on it was. It's because they remember him when he was a level one character, and they just can't take him seriously. Though we remember when you like couldn't even survive a a Jawa attack and now you expect to be the leader. You, that's way too many. You've been grinding too many levels. You're too high level for us now. We remember back when you couldn't even do an easy quest. Um, He's like, hey, you should have downloaded the Boba Fett DLC like I did. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm playing extra levels here. <laughs> yeah, I, I've surpassed you now. You guys are below <laughs> me. Um, 
Yeah, I did one thing that I found interesting. You're right. Maybe that's they're kind of trying to say something there, because you know there's that exchange with the armor where she's like, "Oh, Jedi can't have attachments," and they, you know, that's so you shouldn't go to Grogu because that's not what the Jedi do. And he said, "Well, that's goes against." Mandalorians because we're all about loyalty and solidarity and I'm like unless you take your helmet off and then right. you're like <laughs> you're you're excommunicated so it's like I say like, is it really about those things I don't know yeah uh, that was another thing where again like it they have these beliefs that he's adopted fully and they they don't follow their own beliefs like which 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 was interesting and and I I, I almost expected him when he got on that on the Starliner and the little kid looks at him. I, I and he's staring at the kid. I I I was actually expecting him to be like, "All right, screw it." Like they're gonna be like that and pull off his helmet, <laughs> just be like, "I'm done with this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, might as well. What 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 can I do to you now? You've been excommunicated. Um, so where do you think this is going? Like, what do you think next ep? Is like a next episode gonna be a non Mandalorian? It's back to Boba Fett. He's gathering his forces. We see it like more set up with the Pikes and then. Seven is going to be the Mandalorian returns, and it's going to be the battle. I mean, seven is going to be the battle. I'm assuming. Um, so, like, where where do you think this is going? Because this was kind of there's only two left. It's a little yeah. Wild. Well, it's cool to see Mando again, but that's not exactly an army. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you kind of need more than that if if you're Boba Fett in this situation. I I the the whole arc of the show is really strange. I I don't know. I mean. There's got to be a gang battle, but like just get all of the characters with plot armor together, and that's basically mm-hmm. an army. Mm-hmm. So, That'll work. <laughs> I mean, really, Fennec should be in charge. I think the show, if the show <laughs> had the integrity of its own storytelling, like Fennec's the main character. We were joking last time how she did all the work in that mission, and like even even in this episode, she's the one who comes out, not Boba. So may, maybe it'll like end, and the end of book seven will be like. Book of Boba Fett, and then it'll cross out Boba Fett and be like, Book of Fennec Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would follow, I think people would follow her more than they would follow follow Boba Fett. I, th- I don't think Fennec would have some, she would have had a better strategies than, than Boba Fett has shown no. so far. Um, but yeah, I don't know who, I was kind of expecting we were going to see any sort of character from. <laughs> Uh, Mandalorian, you know, it's like, oh, they're going to kind of gather their troops and stuff. So it's like, oh, maybe I don't remember his name. The guy who, who, hey, you know, they, he helped him infiltrate the, uh, the guy with like the guns. Um, I can't remember. You know, like, oh, the, the, the former Imperial. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his yeah. name though, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe he'll show up and he'll, I don't know why, but he'll, help them out or something i was like oh they're just gonna bring every character back to help with this battle because boba fett's gonna need everybody because he doesn't have anybody but we'll see uh and then i had a you know don't forget mandalorian season two at the end had a luke cameo that nobody saw coming so who the hell knows who they you know what they might do in in this show, because that, I mean, that kind of puts everything on the table if you're going to, like, bring Luke into it, so who knows who, who's going to be in it. Yeah, I've, I've heard people saying Han Solo needs to come out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, my money's on Cad Bane. I mean, he's, uh, I, you can't top Luke, so my money's on Cad Bane going live action. Um, he's from the, he's from the Clone Wars animated series, and he was a, he was a bounty hunter who was pretty cool. He was, he was a, re, a, a recurring character who was, um, who was who, who was far more awesome than Boba Fett ever was on screen? <laughs> so it'd be neat if like the Pikes hired Cad Bane to come take on um, Boba, and we have like a cool Mando versus Cad Bane battle. Okay, all right, I'm down for it. Yeah, poor Boba <laughs> Fett. He's not. He needs to redeem himself in these last two. I'm still hoping that that the uh, Tuscans come back, like his Tuscan tribe, that they're not mm-hmm. all dead. That the the warrior uh, care was that what they were calling her the warrior their champion yeah uh, hopefully she'll come back and like there was the 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 kid Tuscan maybe yeah. maybe that kid is still alive I don't know I I I'm still holding out hope that they didn't all just perish and they'll come back and they'll be part of his assistance in the kind of 
crime battle and they'll kind of be come in when you least expect them and they'll kind of turn the tide. That's what I'm kind of hoping for. But uh, alternatively, they're all dead. Who knows? We'll see. Um, so anyway, I don't really have anything more to say about this one. I, you know, definitely entertaining, a little surprising uh, that we got an episode like this. What What's your beige rating on this one? It's one. It was good. It was a really good episode. Um, I, 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 it was really good. I mean, one's even probably too much bees. Like, I, I, I really, I really dug this episode. I think the the one actually comes from the fact that it was in Boba Fett's season. <laughs> <laughs> like, if this had been an episode of Mando, I'd be like, that was that was one of my favorite episodes. That was really good. I'm gonna give it two. I'm gonna give it one beach because it's it's smack dab in the middle of the Boba Book of Boba Fett, <laughs> and then I, I'm gonna even though I didn't really mind it, I'm gonna give it a beach for all the kind of shameless fan service. There, like fan service is not a problem. This like this was they were willing to put anything in this <laughs> this episode. <laughs> like it got a little out of hand, so I'll do two for that one. All right, let's uh, let's move on to The Witcher. Uh, this is uh, season two, episode two. Like I said, we talked about the first episode uh, last week, which was kind of a kind of a standalone. Obviously, there was other threads in the episode, but the big part of it was um, it was Geralt and Ciri and their encounter with the Bruxa and Geralt's old friend. Um, so that, and we both really loved that episode. So episode two, as I kind of mentioned last week, has a bit of a different feel. It feels like it's opening the season up more to like what the, what the season long arcs are going to be about and not so much a standalone. You know, they, they get to care more in, in the episode. And I was kind of, I not necessarily expecting, but I somehow was a little surprised by that. I thought it was going to take them a little bit longer to get there and they're going to kind of have more of a journey to get there. But you have that and you also have kind of an extended uh, sequence with Yennefer and her kind and her kind of predicament. And that seems to be where the season's going with the elves like that. The elves seem to be like a big part of this season. So um, anyway, what were your what, what, what were your thoughts watching the second one? Um, my thoughts were I was glad I'd played Witcher 3, where you go to Kaer Morhen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, that was one of my favorite parts of, of 3, was where it developed his backstory, and you learn more about his upbringing and how Witchers are made and everything. Yeah. Um, so it was cool to see it on screen and, and see them sort of flesh it out, flesh out his story more for live action and, and, and kind of get a sense of the scope of of the Witcher community and see what it's all about, like learn about them and, and see, um, you know, Witcher's uh, Geralt's pretty cool, but like it, it's neat to see like not all Witchers are like him and that, mm-hmm. you, you know, and they're out, but they all still view each other as like brothers. But they had a hard upbringing and a hard process to to get to that point. Um, also, interesting how they add that level of sort of tragedy that like they were attacked and a lot of them were wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure if the episode made this clear, um, but in the video games. I remember being clear that they, from I don't know if it was from the attack or what happened. Something happened that they lost the the mechanism by which new witchers are made. So there's also oh, this, okay. this sort of not tragic, I guess, because it's a horrible process. But this sort of bittersweet element that, like, yeah, it was pretty horrible what they had to undergo, but at the same time, it's also kind of sad that like they're the last of their kind. Mm, okay. Yeah, I don't know that that really made that clear uh, and maybe in the show that's not the case but in, in i remember in the video game they said that and and the show did talk about an attack where a lot of them were wiped yeah. out so i was i was i was thinking that's also what it was getting at um yeah i'm excited I, I really liked this episode i thought it was it was cool world building uh it it sets up the it, it sets up the different plot lines that are coming together um the elves I'm, I'm excited to see the elves that was one part yeah um i felt like the video games, at least Witcher 3 didn't really develop that much. Like, they were just kind of in the background, the other fantasy races. And in Witcher 2, you could encounter the elves, but it was a path that was like... Like, there was a point where you, you like, chose one path or the other. And one was going with the elves, and one was like... Oh, not. you didn't go with the elves? <laughs> I went with the elves in Witcher 2. 
I can't remember now. I, I think. Um, I mean, I remember they were in the game, but I also remember like it wasn't like uh, it, it could you, you could just miss a huge chunk of their development. So yeah. really need to see that in the show that it leaning into the fantasy element of having these other races and seeing them developed and, and what its take is on them. I, um, you know, it, it looks like they're long lived here. Yeah. Um, it also looks like they're going extinct. I mean, speaking of like that bittersweet uh, here, it's actually tragic. Like they can't they mm-hmm. haven't been able to give birth to new elves and. And there must be something up with that, and I, I hope the show explores that further. Yeah, I, I was excited to see the elves back too. Obviously, we are introduced to them in the first season, and uh, Philandrel, uh, who I you know recognized from the video games, was like, "Oh, that's that's like a name I remember from the video game." So this <laughs> must be a character that's going to return, and so it was cool to get to get them back because the elves in this world are a little you know you know there's other fantasy series where elves are kind of um prejudiced against you know that's not that uncommon but this is like where they're where humans kind of control everything and from what i understand i don't totally understand all the witcher background um but there's like this convergence of worlds and elves i think used to be in control of the of the world that the witcher is on and because of this convergence things power balances were disrupted and creatures came to the world that weren't in the world before and the humans really took over but it's the world really belongs to the elves and that's why there's like these ancient uh elven temples and what have you so i i just find that kind of intriguing because you know in some fantasy and many fantasy like take like lord of the rings or something like that the elves are kind of like high and mighty and they're always they're kind of their humans are looked down upon in a way that you know oh they're just the elves kind of even though humans might have their kingdoms and stuff it's like the elves are really the ones in control and and in power and so this is kind of an interesting take on that and you really at least i you know in the video game i I mentioned in witcher 2 i kind of took that path because whenever the elves were asking me for help even though sometimes they were quite violent and they you know they weren't always maybe going about things in the best ways i'd be like ah I kind of see their point, so I'll help you out, elves, because you're kind of been, you're, you know, you're you're kind of gotten a raw deal, so I'll help you out here. So I'm interested to interested to see where that goes, because as we mentioned last um, week, in a world full of monsters, The Witcher always reminds you that the worst monsters are humans. Not to say that elves can't be monsters either, but it's not like you're really rooting for humans most of the time in yeah. <laughs> in the Witcher universe. So you're kind of like, are the elves going to get the upper hand? Uh, see where that goes. And then you have that interesting like uh, witch character. I thought one of the interesting... Uh, aspects from witcher 3 and i you know i apologize for people i haven't played the video games uh but that's just kind of our hook into the show because we played the games didn't read the books um but they had the like the three crones you know like Mm -hmm. where they're in the the swamp and they're just very interesting and they have they're obviously very powerful but they're at the same time, very obviously like evil. And so I was wondering if this was one of the crones or like a stand-in for the three crones. Cause I don't have a good understanding of how much the games changed the book and how much the show is faithful, might be more faithful to the book than the game. So maybe the crones don't exist in the books. And that was something that they made up for the games. Um, but that's what where my mind went, Oh, maybe this is the crones because it's kind of, felt that way but we you know, there were apparently it was only one even though there were the three people who visited her so there were kind of three versions of her so mm-hmm. maybe that's where they were allude that's what they were alluding to i'm not sure but i just thought that was fascinating kind of character and you know i you know what what does she really want you know she's using these three obviously to get something that she wants and she is still has her hooks into them because she's obviously has some sort of ability to follow uh, Yennefer and Yennefer doesn't have her magic. And so this 
this witch is telling her that she she can give it back to her. So, uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting character, um, and curious to see if they how much they follow up with her and in that kind of thing. So yeah, it 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 reminded me of the season one villain for Wheel of Time, the way like like the power almost of this mm-hmm. witch or entity is is temptation is mm-hmm. to offer the yeah. thing you really want to fulfilled and how the different the three different characters kind of approached it in their own ways and it was kind of interesting character development for Yennefer who who is very power hungry i mean season 1 is all mm-hmm. about like her being very ambitious and very power hungry being the only one of these three to sort of realize that in this world when someone offers you something there's always a cost, right? When someone offers yeah. you magic or power or something like that, there's always a cost. And kind of trying to resist it, even though she didn't want to, like she wants her magic back, but she knew this was not exactly going to work out quite the way she hoped if she accepted it. And and I like the ambiguity. Like, you know, I think other shows would have just resolved it one the other, the other. but like here, like, what is going on with the elves and and um, and the human alliance that's forming? What is up with Yennefer? Why was she just let go? Like mm-hmm. she didn't get her magic back, so she didn't accept the deal. But why was she let go? And everyone was just fine with that. Like it, it's kind of cool. I, I like I like that. I, I, I'm curious to see more of of this entity. Yeah, me too. So and then so obviously the other part of the episode we kind of already mentioned was about the Witchers. And I was kind of, again, I'm used to kind of the video game where there's like, not that, there was more witchers than I expected there to be, you know, I was kind of like, oh, there's going to be three of them or something. And it's yeah. like, oh, there's quite a few. There's still, you know, they've lost a, a lot of numbers in that, uh, you know, alluded to attack, but there's still, there's enough that they can have a party and and hire some prostitutes and I was like, wow, the, the witchers are, this is definitely different than Geralt presents himself. Like, they're, they're, they're getting down. But I guess, you know, they're out being witchers during, it sounds like they come here for the winter, because, uh, you know, winter can be harsh. And so they've been out killing monsters and barely surviving for months on end. So I guess they needed to get their party on when they came back. So, <laughs> uh, and then you have the Eskel character. He kind of had a fight with like, um, I forget what it was called, but like a plant monster that then infected him and he becomes the plant monster and that he becomes kind of like the monster of the week, but it's, mm-hmm. but it's one of his own. So, but they made him kind of a jerk. So you're like, uh, I guess it's okay that he, that he had to kill him. Um, but, you know, they kind of did a, not quite a monster of the week, uh, but they kind of went a little bit with that flavor. Uh, so, you know, I, I am curious. And then at the very end, we see that Geralt basically has been convinced to train Siri, which there is that kind of nice in Witcher 3, there's these flashbacks to Siri being trained. And it's kind of a cool part of the of the game. And so that's what I immediately thought of like, Oh, this is like where he's going to train her because well, spoiler alert, if you don't know anything about the Witcher, Siri kind of becomes a Witcher. She doesn't go through like the mutations and things like that, but she gets trained as a Witcher. So, uh, she kind of had, you know, can hold her own and she is good with a sword and things like that. So it's kind of cool to see that starting because even though she has these magical powers, she doesn't really have control over them. So now she'll be able to defend herself. And, you know, in the game, I find, I found her kind of an interesting character that certain points in the game, you can play as her and she has a totally different play style and she can like teleport around and stuff. So uh, anyway, I just thought it was cool that they're, we're going to start seeing that and, I'm, I'm sure they'll kind of have little moments where they're training together and stuff. So, uh. yeah, I, th- I think it work. It'll work nicely too in the show because in the game, I, I like those scenes, but I also thought Witcher Three was strange because, like, the whole story and its impact relied on your connection to Siri, mm-hmm. and she wasn't in two, and I didn't play one, so yeah. maybe she was there. But I, I think one, he had amnesia or something too. So like, um, it, it it was strange that the storytelling of three centered so much on a character that. You, you didn't have any connection to from previous games in the series that he had a lifelong, uh, not a lifelong, but like a long-running connection to. Yeah. Um, so, so it is neat in the show that they're just starting that up now early on and 
you can build, you can see that connection develop um, on the screen. So when 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 she does become more important to, I guess to, without going into spoilers, to into the kingdoms at large, yeah. <laughs> you'll 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 understand why and feel for her and, and Geralt's relationship. Yeah. So what's your um, B's rating on this one? Man, this was this was a pretty good episode. I would say um, I would say two. Like it was it was just a really good solid episode. Um, no no real reason why it's not a one, except it it was it was good, but not like super great. But I I really dug it, and I I, I think the season's off to a great start. Yeah, I'll give it a two as well because I gave the last one one, and I I again I no problems with this one. I just really liked the first one, and if I gave that a one, I gotta I can't give this one a one, so I'll give it a two. Um, so to wrap up, I'll do a little bit of a a, a mention of. Vox Machina. Um, that's I kind of uh, introed it last episode, and it's the Legend of Vox Machina. It's uh, uh, streaming on Amazon, and it's an animated series. And they're dropping three episodes per week, and then there's twelve episodes, so it'll be four weeks. And so they released the first three episodes, and I enjoyed it. What I found is that so there's three episodes the first two episodes are a two-parter it's all it's a continuous story so they're not like standalone necessarily but i felt once you get to so if you're watch if you watch episodes one and two and you and you think it's like oh i like this but you're not sure about it i think three is when it start is it's getting more to like the season-long plot lines and i actually did a little bit uh of research about it because i'm very fascinated by uh critical role which is who made vox machina uh, critical role if you don't know it's and i think i might have mentioned it a little bit last week uh, it's nothing that i watch but it's a it's voice actors who re- uh, record themselves um, playing, it's a homebrew Dungeons and Dragons. So it's Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition system, but the world is like a homebrew world. And they, it's very popular. It has, you know, gets lots of views. They're on like their third campaign. So this is like going back a few years for the Vox Machina, which is the group of characters in the animated series. But they have since done a couple of different groups of characters. They're already on the third campaign so it's kind of interesting that these voice actors now get to voice act the characters that they made up and they haven't even like they're not even playing with them anymore they're playing with different characters so just the whole the whole world of it is fascinating to me i can't watch the actual role playing i've just never been able to get into watching other people role play it's kind of like people seem to really enjoy watching people play video games and i haven't really been able to get into that either uh, with role playing that's something you know hugo and i've been doing since high school and we still do it today we do it you know online so we can you know groups a group of friends from all over the place can still play together and i guess i would just you know if i'm in the mood for role playing it's like I'd rather just role play than watch other people role play. So I can't, I can't really get into it. And there, there'll be long sessions because you know role playing can take some time. And there's battles, and you know everything has to be described. And this has like eight characters in it, I think. So it's like pretty big groups. So you know, not surprising. It takes a little while to you know get through an episode. So anyway, when I was kind of looking into the stuff because I find it like I said, fascinating. There were apparently a lot of sessions that they did before they even started like video recording their sessions and putting them up on YouTube. Like they just kind of did it as friends and they got together as, you know, anybody does role-playing because it's, you know, a fun activity. And then they started like recording them and putting them up. So these first two episodes kind of harken back to like an older adventure from what I understand. And, you know, they, it kind of works in the animated series because it's introducing you to the characters. But even though it kind of leads into episode three, it feels a little standalone. 
and apparently the kind of storyline that they're taking and making into uh, the this first season is it's called the like Briarwood uh, storyline, and that becomes obvious why it's called that when you watch the episode. Uh, episode three, but apparently that's when the show, the 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 YouTube show, kind of comes into its own. That's apparently what fans seem to agree on. Is like that's when it kind of gets to another level. And what the reason, and not to get too into too much spoilers because you know Hugo hasn't watched it yet. But what you see in episode three is the this story arc is very directly related to one of the characters, one of the, you know, PCs. And I went back just out of curiosity because all of the old episodes of like the streaming thing uh, on YouTube are still available. And you can watch when, so without getting too much spoilers, so Briar, the Briarwoods are, are a couple and they're basically the big bads of the storyline. And uh-huh. they have a connection. Uh, they have. A, I mean, this is all said in episode three, so it's not like it, it's something that you that, that is made obvious in the show. They are responsible for killing the family of one of the PCs, right? Um, and so, in the actual role playing, you know, back before this was an animated series, uh, so Percy is the character's name. Uh, you can tell, you know, having role played before, and, you know, and when you make a character, you, you know, obviously you come up with all their stats and their who they are and what they can do. But generally, you try to come up with some backstory, and that way, the the dungeon master has something to work with and can kind of sprinkle things in to the the story that he, you know, he or she might have different things that they want to do but obviously if you've come up with interesting things then they want to use that you know that's kind of how it works and you i went back and just watched the moment when the the dm who's running the critical role campaign uh first mentions the Briarwoods. like it's just kind of like oh it's somebody's like giving a messenger something like oh please deliver this to the Briarwoods, right and the PC, the guy who's playing this character, this Percy character, he's like, like shocked. Like not even like I don't think in character. I think he's like, go. He starts like blinking a lot and like, cause then the 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 DM just keeps going on because it was just like a little nugget, right? And apparently, the the Briarwood storyline doesn't even happen until like ten episodes later. He's just like laying the groundwork. And I just thought wow. it was fascinating to watch the player's re- reaction. Because he's like, whoa, did he just say what I think he said? Because he obviously provided the DM with his character's backstory. These are the the characters who are responsible for killing my f- character's family. And then he just throws it in to this earlier, you know, 10, 10 sessions beforehand. And he's just like shocked. Like you can see it in the moment. And I thought that was really cool. So even though I can't bring myself to watch it, I just don't, I can't sit for four hours and watch people, you know, play a session of D&D. It's just not something I, that I want to do. I just thought I can see why people do it for moments like that. Like, whoa, especially going back. And then there's another character, another uh Again, not having watched this, I, it's hard to know when they're in character or when they're not in character. But because um, I don't know what their play style really is like. But uh, another one of the players uh, who who plays uh, um, it's gosh, what's the character's name? It's the the priestess basically. She's uh, she's a known priestess. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Uh, Pike. And she kind of, she's the only other player who catches the name. And she's like, did he, like, you could see her say, Briarwoods? And like, it was just, I don't, it's just a really cool moment. Even if you don't have, if you don't know anything about the show, I just went, for whatever reason, I just was curious about it because I had heard this was like the first storyline where, you know, people really got into the show, I guess. Uh, Maybe it's kind of like the first storyline that's, you know, 
ties directly into like a character's backstory or something is my guess is why people really like hooked into it a little bit. Um, but anyway, so the third episode is really where I think the show gets started. And that's, I think, going to be the storyline through the rest of the 12 episodes. So I would say stick with it. And they're only like half an hour. So, you know, you watch all three episodes, you know, you're watching like a long episode of another show or like a movie, a short movie. So, you know, it's not too much. And not that the first two are bad, but, you know, like I said, they're kind of more standalone. And we can talk about it uh, more when you get a chance to, to watch it. Hugo just kind of like... You know, it has some. It's it's definitely violent. There, are, you know, there's definitely some animated graphic violence of just you know uh, where you know people. You know, you kind of mentioned uh, Mandalorian and how like oh man, he's just cutting people open and stuff like that. So there's like moments like that, uh, and there's some humor that's pretty juvenile, but it kind of fits some of the characters. It's kind of interesting. You can kind of assume you know because when you're role playing especially these are like professional actors voice actors uh you know sometimes because it's improv you kind of maybe go to something that's a little body or juvenile and stuff and that but that becomes kind of your character and so it doesn't feel out of place it's just you know there's kind of some groany moments like oh that was kind of <laughs> juvenile but uh but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, um, and I, I'm looking forward to watching uh, some more episodes. So I definitely recommend it, and um, I think we'll you know kind of keep up with it as we try to keep up with uh, Witcher and uh, the, uh, I almost said Mandalorian <laughs> and Boba Season Fett slash Mandalorian. <laughs> Boba Fett slash Mandalorian. Uh, I think those will kind of be our three until we get to Picard. Coming up, Picard. Picard season two with Q. So and Guinan, and who knows who else. So and we might even do a might even finally get around to Discovery when we're doing Picard because uh, we'll be watching CBS all access. Yeah, or yeah, Plus or whatever it's yeah. called now. Yeah, and Lower Decks. Yeah, we can get all the the Star Trek well, uh, in a couple Star Trek weeks. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, so that's my. I won't do a beige. We'll. I'll, I'll wait for Hugo to do beige. And uh, but yeah, so. Uh, Legend of Vox Machina uh, streaming on Amazon Prime. So check it out. And I think that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening as always. And uh, well, hopefully you'll tune in next time as well. Of all the starships, in all the galaxies, in all the universes, I had to choose this one. Wow.